right? So obviously I had those thoughts too, like, oh, well, maybe if I were skinny enough, skinnier or prettier or, you know, whatever, <laughs> that that this person wouldn't have cheated on me. I think you can always come up with something, you know, like, well, if I had blonde hair instead of brown hair, or you know, whatever, you can come up with something and think that the fact that they cheated is about you, but it's not like him cheating was about him and it had nothing to do with me. So regardless of if I was a perfect partner or not, or regardless of my shortcomings and my flaws, because obviously I have them, but he made the conscious choice to cheat and that was his decision. And so really understanding and embracing and believing that it had nothing to do with me. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Before we get into the show, here's a quick message from MR Insurance, a small business that helps physicians with their disability insurance needs. Michael L. Relbus is a CFP professional and insurance agent committed to helping physicians nationwide with their term life and disability insurance needs. He provides an objective, transparent, and education-focused process that aims to help physicians make prudent decisions and avoid overcomplicating things. He exclusively offers own occupation disability insurance policies for residents, fellows, and attending physicians. We know he'd be happy to help you with whatever your needs are. You can find Michael at drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash MR insurance or contact him at 800-817-4522. I have one very important announcement before we talk with Dr. Trina Dora. Enrollment is now open for my Women Physicians Medicine, Marriage, and Money group coaching program. Enrollment just opened on Friday and it closes April 8th midnight. So please do not miss this opportunity to sign up for the Women Physicians Medicine, Marriage, and Money group coaching program. Spots are limited. It's going to be an amazing adventure to taking your relationships to the next level. We will be working on unconditional love. We will be working on conflict resolution, gratitude, appreciation, repair techniques, boundaries, love maps, towards values and away from values, love letters, spheres of influence, love languages. We are going to take all of your relationships and enhance them. So please come join us in the Women Physicians Medicine, Marriage, and Money group coaching program. Link will be in show notes. It will be library.medicinemarriageandmoney.com forward slash group dash coaching to sign up. Look for that in my show notes. I would love to have you. Hello, friends. Please help me welcome our guest on today's show, Dr. Trina Dora, a board-certified internist, a divorce coach, a supportive wife, and a mother of two strong children. Welcome, Trina. Dr. Trina Dora, thanks for coming on my show. 
Hi, thank you for inviting me. Well, start off by just telling us a little bit about you and your story, who you are and where you came from. Yeah, so my name is Trina and I am an internal medicine physician. I practice as a hospitalist and I live in Texas now. And growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a physician. I actually came home and told my parents when I was seven years old that I wanted to be a doctor and I pretty much never wavered on that. So my whole life, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor. And then whenever I got into residency, I actually got really interested in quality improvement. So after residency, I did a fellowship in quality improvement. And then once that was done, I moved to Texas and I've been here ever since. Ah, where in Texas? I live right outside of Austin, Texas. Okay. So we're a couple hours away from you. So you moved, you didn't even, where did you grow up since now you're from Texas? I grew up in Tennessee. Okay. I don't think I've ever been there. Texas and Tennessee. Okay. And so now you're a Texan. Yes, I've been here for a while. So I definitely feel like this is my home state now. Tell us a little bit about your current relationship and how long you have been in your current relationship and why you fell in love. Right. So I have been married. Well, I guess by the time this podcast airs, I'll have been married about seven years. And so I met my husband online, actually. So true story, my hairstylist. So, I, you know, I think a lot of times hairstylists end up becoming your closest confidants, your friends, you know, your therapist, everything. And so my hairstylist actually met her husband online. So she always goes around telling everyone, you know, whenever people are in her chair talking about where can I find someone, she always says, well, have you tried online? And so that was her advice to me. Uh, after I got divorced was you should try online. That's where I met my husband. You're going to meet yours there. And so she's correct. <laughs> I met my husband online. Which platform? On match.com. Oh, match.com. Okay. And, and so why, so like, tell us about the first date or like what it was like first meeting him. Right. So, you know, initially on a match, and I think a lot of the dating services are probably this way, like you just kind of correspond online. You don't necessarily give out your phone number or anything like that. So we were just going through the service, but very quickly we ended up knowing that we uh, really liked each other. <laughs> and so we met and our first date was actually at Starbucks. <laughs> so we were supposed to have our first date the next night and we were going to go bowling and go out to eat. But I remember he was like, I, I can't wait to meet you. I just want to meet you tonight. And I had just gotten off a plane because I'd been out of town. And I remember telling him, well, you know, my hair is in a ponytail. I just have on yoga pants. And he's like, I don't care. I just want to meet you. <laughs> and so we ended up meeting at Starbucks and we have, uh, or we talked for three hours that night. And so I actually have a pillow that he made me for I think one of our anniversaries with our names and saying something about it started at Starbucks <laughs> and the date that we met at Starbucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why, what, what, what was it about him? Why did you fall in love with him? And he's just such an incredibly kind person. So everybody who I met, whenever I was meeting his family, his friends, they all just talked about what a big heart he had and just how loving he was towards just everyone. And it's so true. I always tell people like if if he had it his way, we would have no money. We would have given all of our money away to everybody <laughs> because he just loves people so much and wants to help people. And I think that was the thing that really attracted me to him. Like I actually knew I was going to marry him very, very quickly. And we actually did get married very quickly. Wow. Okay. So he had a generous heart. Yes. <laughs> and and so how often, how, well, how quickly did you guys get married? Uh, five months after we met. 
But you knew, okay. And you mentioned that you had, you had been, you are, you were divorced at this time. Correct. Both of us had been divorced before. Okay. And so could tell me a little bit about the, the past relationship and then how, why that didn't work out. Oh, there are a lot of reasons (laughs) that that relationship didn't work out. I think, you know, one of the, the stories that I think it's really funny now that I like to tell about that. With my ex-husband, we had gone to marriage counseling. And as part of the marriage counseling, I remember the pastor gave us this book. And, you know, of all the questions, you know, premarital counseling questions that we were supposed to go through. Well, we never went through that book, right? Like we just put the book on the shelf and we were like, yeah, 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 we got this. You know, we, we don't need to go through any questions. We're in love. <laughs> so whenever I was with my current husband and we were talking about getting married, I was like, okay, this time we're going to go to marriage counseling and we are going to do the questions. And I was like, you know what? I actually think I still have those same questions. <laughs> and so I went and I looked on the shelf and I had the book <laughs> from before from the first marriage. And so my current husband and I did the marriage counseling questions I was supposed to have done with my last husband. (laughs) So I think that that just comes down to the fact that we, same thing with my first husband, I got engaged very quickly, got married very quickly, and we really did not spend a lot of time getting to know each other. So I would say I've done that with both marriages and I'm (laughs) 50-50. So first marriage, got married really fast, did not work out well, didn't know each other. We probably should have never gotten married. Second marriage, got married fast. And then now we're going on about seven years. So, Okay. Well, do you feel like you knew your current husband, even though it went fast? I mean, you were older, more mature, wise. Yes, definitely older and more mature. We'd both been through marriages before. I think we were more quickly able to hone in on what was important to us. We both knew what we wanted, what we didn't want. And then I'd also had time to do a lot of work on myself too. After that first marriage, I had a lot of time to figure out, you know, what about me needed improvement. You know, you often will think it's the other person and certainly There were some things about my ex that weren't great. And I think that he did need to work on, but there were a lot of things I needed to work on too. And so I spent the time where I was single doing that. And so I do think whenever my um, current husband and I met, we both had done work on ourselves. We were older, more mature, knew what we wanted. So it made a lot more sense to kind of go into it pretty quickly. And it's worked out well. Got it. Okay. So you knew what you wanted the second time around. And and you also knew what you needed, right? How you needed to show. And maybe it wasn't all him. Maybe, I mean, it just worked out so that you could work on who you are as a person. And then you found your Mr. Perfect the second time around. So what has been the biggest surprise since your transition from your past relationship to this current one? I think just how well it works or how much easier it is. And so I don't think marriage is ever easy. So obviously, you know, my current husband and I have disagreements and, you know, sometimes we don't always see eye to eye on everything, but it still flows so much more easily than the first relationship. And I never doubt that my husband loves me and I never doubt that he supports me or that he's my biggest cheerleader or that he's a true partner. Whereas before in my relationship, I never really felt that way. I never felt like he fully supported me, that he really was a partner. I had a lot of doubts, doubts about the relationship and then just doubts about, you know, what he was doing when he wasn't around me. (laughs) So a lot of doubts in that first marriage. Why do you think that was? 
Well, some of it I came to find out he really actually was cheating on me. So I think some of those doubts came from maybe an intuition that I had that something was off. And I also think, you know, maybe based on some things that he told me afterwards, I'm just not 100% sure he really wanted to be married or didn't want to be married to me. So there, there were just a lot of issues then. We got married in our 20s. We were just out of school. I had just finished medical school. He had finished a professional school as well. And I think we both kind of thought, this is what you do, right? Like we've worked so hard. We've gotten these advanced degrees. What's next? Okay, now you get married. And I think there's, you know, a lot of pressure, right? You're in your 20s. Everyone's like, now's the time to get married. Go ahead and start having kids. Maybe you see people around you doing that. And so I think there maybe was some of that too, that both of us were kind of like, okay, we've reached the top. We got our degrees. We finished school. Now it's time to get married, whereas we probably should have spent more time really getting to know each other and making sure that we were going to be a good match. And and what was the biggest challenge you faced during your past relationship and divorce, and how did you overcome that? Right. There are a few challenges. One of them was I got married right before starting residency. So there certainly was that challenge of how much time I was spending in residency. So I remember that first year of residency, which was three months after I'd gotten married, I was on Q4 overnight call and I worked, you know, 80 hours a week. And so that was certainly a stress and a strain on the relationship. But I don't say, I don't think that that alone caused my relationship to fall apart because obviously there are other people who are going through the same thing and they're able to maintain happy, healthy marriages. But that certainly was a huge strain, right? I was always tired. We frequently didn't spend time together. I was always working. I was always at the hospital. And so he just kind of created his own life apart from me because he hardly ever saw me. And so I think that that was a big strain or struggle in the marriage. And then also, whenever I talked about how Oftentimes we like to think it's all the other person, but then a large component of it is us too. I still remember during our first year marriage, we decided to go to marriage counseling. And, you know, I was like, okay, good. We're going to marriage counseling. This counselor is going to fix him and he's going to fix our relationship. And this is going to be great. And then the marriage counselor told me that I needed my own work. And he was like, well, actually, I think you each need to work on yourselves you have some issues that you need to work on. And then after you work on your issues, then we can do marriage counseling. And I was like, what? What do you mean I have issues I need to work on? I was like, you are supposed to be fixing him. (laughs) So I think that there are definitely my own issues, you know, even then that I need to work on. So self-confidence, that was a huge one for me that I just needed to be more confident as a person and who I was. And I think if I had had that, I would have been happier and and approached the relationship uh, in a much different way. But I did deal a lot with some self-esteem issues and self, like my self-concept really wasn't the greatest at that time. Okay. Self-confidence, self-esteem, your self-concept. So, okay. You keep mentioning you really learned a lot about yourself throughout this whole time point in your life. Yes, definitely. That's great. Okay. So, and this was all during and after your divorce. Would you say this is like uh, anything else that you learned about yourself during and after your divorce? Well, I think that one of the big things, and this is a lot of women who are in relationships where they're thinking of getting divorced. Oftentimes we don't go ahead with it because of fear. So there was a lot of fear, right? Like you have fears of being alone, fears of what other people are going to say, what other people are going to think about you. 
fears that you may never find anyone again and that you'll never get to date again and be alone, alone the rest of your life or you may never have kids. And so sometimes you can convince yourself that it's better to just stay where you are instead of having to face your fears. And so I would say that's one of the big things that I learned is because I had all of those fears and I definitely stayed probably a lot longer than I should have because for a while I was thinking, well, even though this relationship's not great, it's still better than nothing. It's still better than being alone. And I didn't want to face that discomfort, right? That discomfort of being alone, the discomfort of being lonely. I didn't want to have to face that. So I was like, it's just easier to stay where I am. So one of the big things I learned was that it is okay to feel that discomfort of being alone. It wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. And it actually got to the point where I really liked it. Like there are so many cool things I got to do when I was single. So now when I see women who are single and they're like, oh, I just want somebody. I just want somebody. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Don't rush it. There's so many awesome things you could be doing right now. (laughs) So yeah. Enjoy it. Embrace it, right? Definitely enjoy it and embrace it. Being single is a wonderful gift in and of itself. And so how have your, how have your beliefs on relationships and marriage changed? So, you know, I was never somebody who had given up on the idea of marriage. I had some great examples in my life. So my parents who had been married now about, I think it's 53 years. My sister and her husband who've been married, I believe this year is 23 years for them. And she's my older sister. And so I was surrounded by good examples. So even when I got divorced, it never changed my faith in marriage or my belief that marriage is something or can be something beautiful. And so I believed that then. And so I, I never was kind of turned off you know, to the idea of marriage. I just felt that I needed to make sure I found a partner that had values more in line with my values that I needed to maybe look for a partner based off of their values and what they believed in more than than just their physical appearance or how much money they made or things like that, which whenever I was in my 20s, I do think some of my criteria were maybe a little bit more superficial than my criteria were when I was in my 30s and I met my husband. Okay. So you kind of looked for different things. Let's go back. Okay, so you talk about, you know, looking for something a little bit different now than maybe when you looked in your 20s, more physical appearance, more money. Now you're kind of looking at the whole person. Did those questions, you know, that book you put on your shelf that you never did with your first husband, did that kind of help? Or what did you learn about your current husband while doing those premarital questions? No, I definitely think that those questions helped. And and they were about a lot of different things, right? Like how you handle finances, how you handle conflict, dreams for your life, all of those things that I think it is really important to know how the other person feels. Not that you have to agree exactly or be, or be on the exact same page, but for the things that really are important, I think it was nice for us to see, hey, we were together. We had the same ideas for the things that really were important. It also really helped us because my husband and I have some different views on finances and those came out when we were doing those questions and going to premarital counseling. And I thought that was really helpful to give us a way to approach finances when we got married so that it would diminish how much stress it caused each of us. 
let's go into a little bit more depth about that. What what were your previous financial or current financial beliefs and, and then how did that differentiate from his? Well, like I said, he's a very giving person. And so he has no problem giving away everything. He always says, as long as he has some clothes, some food and a you know, a roof over his head, and he really doesn't care how nice the roof over his head is. He's fine with giving away everything else. I am very, very different than that. And so I was kind of like, you know, I'm fine with giving. I do give, but there's going to be a set amount that we're going to give because we have all these financial goals, or I have financial goals, because right after I got divorced, I started seeing a financial planner. And so I told him, I said, I have all these financial goals that I want to reach that I've set with my financial planner. If you're going to marry me, I want you to be a part of that. I'm not willing to give up those goals. I'm not willing to give up my financial planner. I'd like to bring you along. And so I said, us giving away all our money isn't going to work because we're not going to be able to reach these financial goals. And then if we have kids and my husband knew he wanted kids, same thing. I was like, we, we can't give away all our money. And so we had to talk about that some and kind of reach the conclusion that when we got married, I would be in charge of the finances a little bit more than he is, just because he really, my, he, it's true, my husband really doesn't care about money. Like he doesn't like to shop. He doesn't really buy very much. Like he is fine wearing 10 year old clothes. He doesn't care what kind of car he drives. Like he really doesn't care about money. Ah, now is he okay working for the rest of his life? So he loves his job. So he's always telling me, I love work. I love my job. It's so fun. <laughs> so I'm always like, that's amazing. That is awesome. So he's in IT and he's like, IT is the best. I just love it. So yeah, <laughs> it's very different than what I hear from a lot of doctors. <laughs> that, well, I mean, I, I have a lot of IT support, you know, in radio as a radiologist and I actually have good, very good support, but I, I'm hoping they all feel the same way. <laughs> Right, because I need a good IT person to love it. Yeah, he works from home, and he's so happy. And yeah, he, he he's like, I can wake up five minutes before I have to be at work. I have a very flexible job. He loves his boss. Like he he really loves his job. What if something were to happen where he could no longer work? Does he ever think about that, or is that where you come into the picture with your financial goals? Yes. Well, and he does have, uh, you know, disability insurance and things like that if he cannot work. And yes, our financial planner has done a good job of making sure that that would be okay if he couldn't work or if I couldn't work. So I don't really, and one thing I will tell you, I don't really worry about it. And the way I know I don't really worry about it is he had gotten laid off from a job he used to work for HP and HP went through a lot of reorganizations a few years back. They laid a lot of people off. And so I remember him calling me and I was at home taking a nap. And I remember him calling me, telling me that he had gotten laid off. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, it'll be okay. And then I just like put the phone down and fell back asleep. Like I had no worries whatsoever because I knew we were going to be okay. Mm, yeah. But he was probably pretty stressed out. Yes, he was. But with IT, it's interesting. He gets jobs so quickly. I think he had his next job in three weeks. Oh, yeah. Not like a physician. Yeah. And he, he's constantly getting, you know, emails look, for people looking for jobs. Okay. So how has being a female physician affected your relationships? And I t you t briefly mentioned it, touched on it. 
about, you know, working over 80, 80 hours, Q4, anything else, how maybe going through medical school residency and then being a female physician affected your past relationship and then also your current? I think it just depends on the guy you're with. So as long as you're with somebody who's confident and doesn't mind having a physician as a wife, doesn't mind if you make more money than they do, or is just understanding as well, understanding of the schedule and that you may say that you're going to be somewhere and then not be there. So my husband used to call me and say, oh, what time will you be home? And, you know, I would say, whatever, 730. And then, of course, I didn't make it till 8 or 830. He doesn't even call anymore. <laughs> now he's just like, love you. <laughs> Sends me a text. See you whenever you get home. I think he just understands now a little bit more about medicine and what it's like and that it is different than IT. So with IT, whenever you know it's time for him to go, he's done. Although he does have call in IT. And so he does understand the concept of when you're on call, you never know when you're going to be called. You have to drop everything and attend to that. So he does have that experience with his IT work of being on call. Okay. So he kind of understands a little bit about that. Yes. He's very understanding of my job. What else? I mean, are there any other big take-home points or advice you want to give our listeners today? Maybe somebody who is contemplating divorce, going through divorce, or whose spouse may have cheated on them? Right. So I think one of the biggest things I always tell people is not to be afraid, right? Like I mentioned earlier, I think there is so much fear and there's still a lot of shame around divorce. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm more than happy to talk about it because I'm not embarrassed by the fact that I'm divorced. My life is so much better now than it was when I was married before. And so I want to be an example to other people. I want them to be able to look at me and say, oh, there's someone who's been through divorce. She's smiling. She's happy. You know, she found somebody else. She's happy with her life and who she is. And it is okay. It is okay to be divorced. It doesn't mean that that's the end of, you know, your whole life. It doesn't mean that's the end of all the good stuff that's ever going to happen to you. And so I really like to encourage people that there is life after divorce and not just life after divorce, but it can be amazing and it can be beautiful. And I think that's so important to get that message out to people. Oh my gosh, I completely agree. And it can be better, right? It, yes, it can definitely be better. I mean, we went through the discomfort. And it's not fun, right? There's no way around it. You have to go through the pain. It's, it's, it's a grief, right? It's a loss and you have to go through grief. And even people who, even whenever they're women and they chose to leave, there's still some sort of grief that you go through. Like I've never really met very many women who have gone through divorce and men too, who don't feel anything, right? And so I do think that you still have to feel those feelings and go through that process, but it can still be so much better on the other end once you allow yourself to heal. And I think the message that I would share for specifically for women who have been cheated on is I think it's very easy to internalize that and make it about you, right? So obviously I had those thoughts too, like, oh, well, maybe if I were skinny enough, skinnier or prettier or, you know, whatever, <laughs> that, that this person wouldn't have cheated on me. I think you can always come up with something, you know, like, well, if I had blonde hair instead of brown hair, or, you know, whatever, you can come up with something and think that the fact that they cheated is about you, but it's not like him cheating was about him and it had nothing to do with me. So regardless of if I was a perfect partner or not, or regardless of my shortcomings and my flaws, because obviously I have them, 
but he made the conscious choice to cheat. And that was his decision. And so really understanding and embracing and believing that it had nothing to do with me. So any work that I decided to do on myself or anything that I wanted to do to change or I was just doing that for me because that's what I wanted to do, but not because I believed it would get him back or make him, you know, make him regret leaving or love me or whatever. Like it, it kind of got to that point where it was no longer about him. My focus was on me. He was doing whatever he wanted to do, but my focus was on me. I love that. Yeah. It wasn't about you. It was about, about him, right? And there's, there's something everybody wants to change about themselves, but that's, usually not, you know, affects our relationship or turns our spouse away. I mean, there are other reasons, right? We just, we pick things and we blame ourselves and shame, but, but there's another way. Right. Now, I think that, that, like I said, there's so much shame tied up in divorce and particularly when infidelity is, when infidelity is involved. But I think it's just so, again, so important. And thank you for letting me come on your podcast and talk about it because I don't have any shame talking about it. And I want somebody else to hear my story and know that it can be okay. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, yeah, that's why I invited you on is because you are so open and a lot of women or men going through divorce feel like they need to hide it or, I mean, it just takes a long time. It does take time, right? To process all these emotions. And that's why we need people like you that can support the people who think maybe something is wrong with them or you know, just need that space, need somebody to hold space for them when maybe their closest friends or family can do that for them, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I had a lot of good friends. I had good family, but they hadn't been through divorce. And so that was, you know, really hard because none of the people in my close circle had been through divorce. But even if they had, I think one of the things you're getting at when you mentioned holding space, that's something that a coach, for example, is able to do it because whenever you're with your friends, and we all know when you talk to your friends, they're going to take my side, right? So when I would talk to my friends, they take my side. And of course, everything ended with, well, he's a a a-hole and he's a jerk. (laughs) He's this and he doesn't deserve you and all of that. And yeah, that, that feels good that your friends are on your side, but it really doesn't always help you to do the deeper work that you need to do of truly examining your thoughts, your feelings, you know, what you want to change, how you want to think, how you want to feel. That's not really what your girlfriends are there for. So my girlfriends were there to kind of build me up, but it still is important to really have someone, like you said, hold space and help you process those thoughts as as you move through it. And finally, I like to ask all my guests this question. What is your definition of marital interdependence or in other words, what makes a successful marriage? Right. So I think that for my husband and myself, we have always just really believed in being open and communicating and not hiding how we feel or not hiding how we think. And so I think he would tell you that I'm very open (laughs) with that. And I'm very good at expressing my needs and what I need from him. And I I think that's worked very well. Uh, I don't want to really hide from him or just suppress suppress what I need and what I want. I feel like life's too short for that. And so we are very open and honest with each other. For us, that's worked really well. Okay. Open and honest. And Trina, where can our guests find you? So I do have a website. So it's drtrinadora.com. So D-R-T-R-I-N-A-D-O-R-R-A-H.com. 
And then I am also on Facebook and I have a Facebook group. It's called Women Moving Beyond Cheating and Divorce. And then I'm also on Instagram and it's at Trina Dora. Okay. And your Facebook group, who is that open to? So women who are going through divorce are already divorced. And then also anybody who has been cheated on. And so it's it's pretty open. I do want to restrict it to women. I do think that the women in the group feel more comfortable when knowing that the group is just made of women. But you don't necessarily have to have been divorced. I have people in it who are thinking about divorce, going through it, already are divorced, were cheated on, weren't cheated on. So, and yeah. And they don't have to be physicians. They can be anybody. Correct. They can be anyone. It's just a supportive community. It was really important to me to do that because whenever I first started going through divorce, I joined a support group. And so at that time it was, you know, in person. And so every week I went to the support group and it was all women and one man in my support group. And it was so incredibly helpful just being around a group of people who are going through the same thing. And so basically that's what this is. You know, Facebook group is a virtual, you know, support group. And so it's always very important to me that I kind of give back in the same way, because that was so incredibly helpful to me when I was in that time of my life. Oh, well, thank you so much for providing that for, for, for all women who, who may be going through this and for doing what you do, Trina. Thank you. Yes, I think it's amazing. And okay, we were almost done recording, you guys. And then Trina shared this really interesting story about that kind of shape, one of her experiences when she was in middle school that shaped her opinions and thoughts about what it means to be in a relationship. Go ahead and share that story with us, Trina. Right. So we were just talking about how sometimes you can have experiences when you're younger that really shape the way you view relationships. And so I was saying that when I was younger, there was a guy that lived across the street from me. We were the same grade. And so he and I were friends and his parents were married. And then at either middle school or high school, his parents ended up getting divorced. And so his mom did not work at the time. And so when they got divorced, his mom ended up having to move to an apartment, whereas his dad stayed in their house and they had a beautiful house. And his dad stayed in the house and moved his mistress into the house. And so every day I used to look at that, like I would see the mistress over at the house and I would just think about the fact that his mom was living in an apartment. And so I would always tell myself, see, Trina, that's why you always have to work. That's why you always have to have a job so that you don't have to go to a small apartment while your ex moves his mistress into the house. Because in my mind, I was like, well, if she had a job, yes, maybe they would have gotten divorced, but then she could have gone and bought her big house. And so that was something that always stuck with me. And obviously, there are a lot of women that choose to be stay-at-home moms. And and so this is not any kind of condemnation on stay-at-home moms. But when we talk about things that shape us, I think I was always afraid to never have a job where I could be independent because I always remembered this neighbor and the fact that his mom had to move to an apartment. And so anytime if I ever thought about maybe not going to be a doctor or not going to get a degree or dropping out of the workforce, I always think about his mom and she kind of drives me to want to continue to work because I never wanted to be in that position myself. And so when I got divorced, I was already a physician whenever I got divorced. And so I was I was good financially, right? I didn't have to worry about where I was going to get money from. I didn't have to fight for money from my ex because I knew I could take care of myself. And I was so thankful that I could. 
Isn't that interesting how when we are little, or not even little, you're in middle school, high school, but still, we are so impressionable. You know, before our brain becomes fully myelinated, those experiences can really shape our motivation and determination to become or do whatever we want to do. But yeah, no, it is true. Because like I said, when I got divorced, there I mean, there are so many women, you know, I'm in like some divorced Facebook groups. And it's really sad. Like they've never worked. They they have no idea, you know, like there's just so much stress. They're like, I, haven't, I don't make any money. I don't have a way to make money. You know, I don't even know how you make money. And I never, I didn't have to worry about that, that part of it. And so I was always so happy that I didn't have to worry about the financial aspect. Mm, yeah. Going through divorce. Yeah. A lot, a lot of women, unfortunately, probably have to worry more. Right. Definitely. Well, thank you very, very much. Yeah. Thank you for your time. <laughs> a great show with Dr. Trina Dora. Before we end, don't forget to reach out to MR Insurance Consultants, where their goal is to assist physicians in obtaining the most comprehensive coverage available to fit their unique situation. Reach out for both excellent and quality service at drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash MR Insurance. What another fabulous episode. Thanks to Dr. Trina Dora. Thank you so much. And my three big take-home points from Dr. Trina. Number one, when we think we're going to marriage counseling for our spouse and not ourselves, things will not likely get better. We all have things to work on within our own bodies, within our own minds. So let us focus only on working out we can on what we can control, which is not our spouses, not the other person in a relationship, it's ourselves. If we want to find happiness and love and appreciation in our marriage, we need to find it on our own first, not by fixing somebody else, not by bringing somebody else to the counselor, to the therapist. If you guys want to know more about this, in particular, unconditional love and and the levels of relationships, then I suggest you check out what we did last week in my Medicine, Marriage, and Money Facebook group, we did a five-day unconditional love challenge. And we talked a lot about this, finding happiness on your own and controlling what you can control. So check that out. Number two. Dr. Trina Dora tells us not to ever feel stuck in a terrible relationship. If you can find joy and happiness on your own, then also feel constantly stuck in a horrible situation, maybe it's time to reevaluate the reasons for staying in the relationship. If you're truly happy on your own, if you're not searching for the happiness in the relationship, Then let's reevaluate why we're in such a terrible, horrible relationship. If the two of you have truly grown apart or were never right for each other in the first place, then why is it you're staying in an unhealthy environment? Remaining in, in this terrible or unhealthy relationship after working on yourself is not any more comfortable than leaving, which may seem uncomfortable at the moment, maybe for a while, but how is that more, how is it more comfortable to stay in something terrible than it is to leave? 
Is it better to stay in silence and resentment than to venture out alone into the unknown, into a new world of possibilities? Now, that being said, we're not all going to leave our relationships in order to find happiness, right? We find happiness within ourselves first. And once we have found that, if the relationship is still in itself lacking, maybe that's when we give ourselves permission to start from scratch. Number three, there is life after divorce. Although divorce is never fun, going through a divorce is like going through a period of grief. Going through divorce is, is, a, is, a, is a loss. You, even if you are the one who is choosing to leave, however, it can still be much better on the other end after allowing the healing. By shifting the focus onto healing oneself and away from making the ex feel bad or regret their actions or inactions will eventually cause the pain to subside at a more manageable level. So focus on the healing of ourselves. Focus on healing yourself after a loss or grief of after this divorce and focus less or not or away from making an ex feel bad or regret their actions. And that being said, my friends, that concludes my three take-home points. And I just want to remind you one more time that enrollment for my Women Physicians Medicine, Marriage and Money group coaching program is now open. It opened a few days ago on Friday and we are accepting limited spots. If you can visit library.medicinemarriageandmoney.com forward slash group dash coaching, you can sign up, take a look a little bit. There's some FAQs. I've done a little videos in there to answer any questions. And if you have more, please feel free to reach out. But we are going to be taking the relationships in your life to the next level to enhance them. So I would love to have you. And I hope after this episode with Dr. Trina Dora, who shed so much wisdom into going through divorce and life after divorce, that you walk away asking yourself, do I have self-confidence? Do I look to my partner for confidence? What is the difference between self-confidence and confidence? Where do I go to find happiness? Inside myself or in my relationships? Is it better for me to stay or to go? Do I understand the money mindset of my spouse? If our views on money differ, how can I better understand their story? If and when I ever say goodbye, to someone I've been in a long-term relationship with, where is my focus? Is it on me or is it on them? Is it on healing myself or is it on hurting them? 
Thank you so much, my friends. I will see you next week, if not sooner, in Facebook or Instagram, or if you reach out to me or in my group coaching program. So love you guys so much. So much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.